in these three sessions we've had together today, we have looked at the tests that Joseph went through in route to the throne. In the Sunday school hour, I said some things about the test of his spirit. He was rejected by his brethren. But he did not let their spirit contaminate his spirit. And he was genuinely committed to God. And that was proved, proven in his test, his rejection. And then in the uh, worship hour this morning, we looked at Joseph's second test, the test of his body. Was Joseph genuine? If it's not manifested in his spirit, it'll come out in his body. He was genuine. And when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, he was faithful to God and considered the possibility of sin great wickedness, he said, against God. Tonight we come to the test of his soul. When we left off this morning, Potiphar's wife lied about him. And he was cast into prison for doing what was right. Of course, that's not unusual, is it? To suffer evil for one's good. That's what happened to the Lord Jesus. In his righteousness... He was treated unrighteously. He himself talked to us about being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Joseph was put in prison. Let's read those last few verses of chapter 39 and then we'll come into chapter 40. Verse 20, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. Because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. When we come into chapter 40, Pharaoh has been upset with his butler and his baker. I don't know what they did. Perhaps the baker burnt the bread. Or the butler spilled the wine upon the Pharaoh. At any rate, he threw them into the prison. And Joseph was there to minister to them. I've often thought this would be a good text for a Lord's Day morning, a Sunday morning sermon. Chapter 40, verse 7. They dreamed a dream after they were thrown into the prison and they couldn't interpret it. And verse 7 says, He asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, 
Wherefore look ye so sadly today? Don't you think that'd be a good text for a Sunday morning sermon? Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said we've dreamed a dream, verse 8. And there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. So they told Joseph his uh, their dreams, and he interpreted them. And they came to pass, just like Joseph had interpreted them. And yet, when we get to the last verse of this chapter, the Bible says, Yet, did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him? Here, Joseph experiences the beginning of the test of his soul. The test of his spirit would reveal whether or not he was committed to God. The test of his body would reveal whether or not he was controlled by God. The test of his soul will reveal whether or not he is communing with God. Who are you drawing your strength from tonight? It must be tested en route to the throne, en route to exaltation. To that point that God has planned for our lives, our soul and our communion with God will be revealed. Now, for two years, Joseph was left in the prison. He interpreted these fellows' dreams. Of course, one of them was slain, as Joseph had told him, and the other one was restored. The butler was restored back to his butlership, but Joseph was forgotten. I'm going to use the word desertion. For two years, it seemed like Joseph was deserted. The butler was his way out, his ticket out, you might say. And uh, yet he was forgotten. He was Alone. Oh yeah, there's some other prisoners there, but they were his ticket out. They were his connection to the throne. You know, he must have thought of that. But now he goes through a season of desertion. Two years of And uh, Pharaoh in God's time, God never has done anything too early or too late, has he? He's never in a hurry, but he's never too late. He's always right on time. And in God's time, Pharaoh dreamed a dream. And I might I might preface this lest some would someone would misunderstand. You understand, in those days, they did not have a Bible as we have a Bible. And God often used dreams to reveal His will. Now, we we don't need to dream dreams. Somebody said, well, I dreamed a dream. I believe the Lord gave it to me. It's probably from eating 
Too many hot dogs before you went to bed. The chili and the onions got to you. I don't think I've ever told here about the dream I had. I don't know if we were having financial difficulty or what, but years ago I had this dream, and, and uh, I had broken into the bank, First Union Bank, in Hendersonville, just a few miles from our house. I had gone through the main door. I had gotten into the uh, the vault area. And I was holding money in my hand when all these alarms started going on. And then I heard gunfire. And I said to my wife, in my dream, Honey, my ministry is ruined. I think it was too late to worry about that, don't you? At any rate, when I awakened, I was just sweating it out. And uh, I aroused my wife. She didn't seem too interested in the dream. But uh, thank God that that was only a dream. I think I had uh, eaten too many onions or pinto beans or something. But uh, Joseph's... Opportunity now comes two years later. He's, he goes through desertion for two years. There's no record during this time that he said, that low down butler. Man, you try to be a blessing to people and then they forget you. You've never said that, have you? I, I'm afraid I have. You try to be a blessing to people and they don't even... Uh, they don't even send you a thank you card. <laughs> they, uh, they, they may even say something negatively about you. He should have done more. At any rate, it's difficult at times to pass this facet of the test of the soul, that of desertion. And we reveal our attitude, our feelings about people and about Define arrangements in life in that time of desertion. Someone said to me on one occasion, why did God allow that to happen? Well, I'm not God. I can't tell you why God allowed something to happen. But I can tell you this. It didn't catch him by surprise. And all things are working together for our good. Somehow God is going to, as we yield to him, somehow God is going to work even in the bad experiences. And Joseph is an illustration of that. Deserted, forgotten, alone. And then the Pharaoh had a dream. Oh, buddy, this, this is not Joseph dreaming. This is not the butler or the baker dreaming. This is the man himself, Pharaoh, dreaming a dream. The Bible tells us in verse number, uh, verse number one of chapter 41, it came to pass. I love that. God has arranged it. It came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed and behold, he stood by the river. And we have the unraveling of his dream here. Verse 7 tells us that Pharaoh awoke and behold it was a dream. 
And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream. But there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Verse 9. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh saying, I do remember my faults this day. He explained to Pharaoh that he had had a dream and his friend had had a dream. And there was a fellow down there in the prison who interpreted the dream. Now this is going to bring us to a second aspect of truth tonight. Joseph seemed to pass the soul test in relationship to desertion. He was forgotten. He was alone. It didn't seem as though God was going to exalt him. It looked as though he would die in the dungeon. But now the butler tells Pharaoh. And in verse 14, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment. And came in under Pharaoh. Oh, I love that attitude. He felt like God has brought this my way. I'm going to respect it. I'm not just going to go sloppily before Pharaoh. Verse 15, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee, that thou canst in, uh, understand a dream to interpret it. All right, are you ready? I'm calling this the test of the soul, not only regarding desertion, but the test of the soul regarding or in relationship to direction. Is Joseph going to direct everybody towards himself? Or is he going to direct everybody towards God? Pharaoh said, I have heard that you can dream a dream or interpret a dream. Now, had it been some of us, we would have probably said, <clears throat> I not only have interpreted a dream, but I have interpreted many dreams in my life and in my ministry. I'd like to share a few of them with you, O King. No. Verse 16 said, And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, it is not in me. He said, I can't interpret your dream. But he said, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Sir, I can't interpret your dream, but if you'll tell me the dream, I'll tell God the dream. God will give me the answer. And I will give you the answer. You see him directing Pharaoh Godward? Not towards himself, but towards God. It's the test of the soul in relationship to direction. Instead of Joseph being egotistic and self-absorbed and esteeming himself above others, he bowed low before God and pointed Pharaoh to God himself. Now, 
Let's look at two or three verses. First of all, he, he pointed Pharaoh to the God of power. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. God can give you that answer, sir. Well, Pharaoh told him his dream. You remember there were seven fat-fleshed cattle, and then there were seven lean-fleshed cattle, and the lean-fleshed ones ate up uh, the fat-fleshed ones. And then he said in verse 23, there were, or 22, there were seven ears uh, on a stalk, and they were full and good ears, and then there were seven ears withered and thin, and the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And he said, I, I, I want the answer to this. Tell me what this means. Verse number 25, Joseph not only pointed to God as a God of power, but to a God of promise. And he said, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. And then he explained to him that there were going to be seven years of plenty. And then seven years of famine. And the famine would eat up all uh, the plenty. When we come to verse 32, he repeats, And for that dream, and for that the dream was doubled, because it's going to be very grievous. Under Pharaoh twice, it is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. He pointed Pharaoh in the direction not only of a God of power and a God of promise. This is what he's going to bring to pass. But a God of purpose. He's going to do this immediately. The seven years of plenty will start soon. Then the seven years of famine will follow thereafter. And verse 37 reads, And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Instead of Joseph pointing to himself and bragging on himself, he pointed to God and bragged on God. And because of that, now this, this pagan king, Catches a glimpse of God in Joseph. It's the test of the soul. Not only related to the times of desertion. But related to this principle of direction. Oh beloved. God wants the glory. God wants the glory. You know he. Jesus said my peace will I give you. And Jesus said, my joy will be fulfilled in you. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. On and on, the Lord said, I'll give you mine. I'll give you this, mine. My yoke is easy, he said. But when it comes to his glory, he said, I will not share my glory with another. 
He's not going to give you his glory. He's not going to give me his glory. He must be glorified. He must be exalted. And so Joseph passes the test. You know, if we're not careful, we'll get to wondering, well, when am I going to get out of my situation? Instead of asking, Lord, what will I get out of my situation? How are you going to use this to develop me? How are you going to use this in the life of my family? And so instead of being boastful, vaunting himself forth, Joseph pointed to God. And so Pharaoh was used of God to exalt Joseph. (laughs) Now, you don't want me to preach the rest of chapter 41. We never will get out of here. But I, I do want to at least touch a few things and then we're going to look at how Joseph handled the throne. This is also part of the soul test. We've looked at the soul test in relationship to desertion. We've looked at the soul test in relationship to direction. Now let's take a moment and look at the soul test in relationship to dominion. Somebody said, well, I wish the Lord would give me this. He knows most of us couldn't handle it. We're not ready for it. He has to bring us through these levels. And Joseph now has passed the test. And God exalts him. Just like he had promised him in that first dream. Look if you will now in verse 40. Verse 39. Pharaoh said unto Joseph. For as much as God hath showed thee all this. There is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Isn't that interesting? When Joseph was sold uh, down in Egypt and Potiphar brought him, Potiphar saw God was with him and he turned everything over to him. When he was cast into the prison for doing what was right, the prison keeper turned everything over to him because he perceived God was with him. Now, Pharaoh perceives God is with him. And Joseph becomes second in command in Egypt. Verse 41, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. That sounds a whole lot better than over all the prison, doesn't it? Over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee! And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zephnath Pani. And he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Now, before we look at how God used Joseph in the seven good years and to preserve life in the seven bad years, I must mention this 
Joseph has had to bow down to everything all his life. He bowed to his father, his mother. And then his brethren sold him. He bowed to them and their harsh dealings. The Ishmaelites brought him all the way down to Egypt. He had to bow to them. Then he was sold to Potiphar. He had to bow to him. Then Potiphar's wife lied about Joseph. And in essence, he had to bow to her. He got into the prison. He had to bow to the prison keeper. He has bowed the knee all of his life. But now God has exalted him. And instead of him having to bow the knee, everybody else has to bow the knee. The Bible says that someone went before his chariot saying, Bow the knee! Bow the knee! I see him going by Potiphar's house. Potiphar hears this crier's voice. Bow the knee! Bow the knee! He comes out of his courts and bows down. And he looks up and that looks like that Jew boy that worked for me for a while. He goes on around the corner the crier says, bow the knee. Potiphar's wife comes out the side door and she bows down and gives homage to this leader. And she looks up and it's the very one that had had to bow down to her. Now she has to bow to him. The chariot rolls on down by the prison. And the crier says, bow the knee. And the keeper of the prison comes out of the prison and he bows down. And it's the fellow that he just let out of prison. Joseph. Somebody said, what are you getting at, Tom? Listen, when God exalts an individual, things that that individual has had to bow to all of his or her life, all of a sudden, it's reversed. And God gives you exaltation among others. And Things maybe that you were chained to or things that you had to yield to. Now they have to yield to you as you walk in triumph. As you walk in victory. God having brought you through the tests of life. And so Joseph is reigning in Egypt. I might say this as well. Everything Joseph had had been taken away from him up to this point. His dad was taken away from him. His family, his homeland, his coat of many colors. His name had been taken away from him. Honor. But now God is going to give to him. In fact, he got a wife out of this deal. And now he is second in command. Beginning in verse 47, we are introduced to the plenteous years. And verse 49 says, Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. Now my question is, Joseph has been given some dominion. How is he going to handle it? What will be the response of his soul? To this position of exaltation. Is he going to say. Man I have waited for this all my life. 
No. He takes this position responsibly. And he begins to work the fields and make sure that the corn is gathered. And he began to put back corn. He knew seven years of hardship was coming. And in the seven years of plenty, he put back corn. Somebody said, well, I don't know why the Lord keeps talking to me. I know I'm teaching that little class, but I know the Lord just keeps sharing some great things with me. Well, you put it back. Put back the corner. The day will come when somebody, maybe even those who rejected you or those who were uh, somewhat harsh in their dealings with you will... Hey, our father sent us down here to get some corn. We heard that there was corn available in Egypt. And you'll have it because you've been putting it back. You've passed the soul test. And you're not in this thing uh, to lift yourself, but you're to, uh, to hear to exalt God and obey God in the crucibles of life. And Joseph. He had some boys that were born too here. He named the first one Manasseh. Verse 51 says. And here's because the name Manasseh means to forget. Joseph said, God hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. A second son was born and he named that son Ephraim. The name Ephraim means fruitful, and Joseph added, For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. He's God conscious all the way through here, isn't he? Well, verse 56 says that he opened all the storehouses when people got hungry. He opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn. Because that the famine was so sore in all lands. Now, you understand, we're, we're not at the end of Joseph's life. But I, I'm not going to deal with the rest of the book of Genesis. And all the people said, Amen. I would like to magnify his dominion from one other angle. I'm interested in how Joseph is going to handle this dominion that God has given him when his brothers come crawling down to Egypt for corn. Now he did handle them roughly to get their attention. A couple of occasions, you remember, even put Benjamin's cup back in the sack. And they had to mourn over that. They, they were afraid for their lives. But in the end, do you remember how Joseph treated them in the end? He said to them, Ye meant it for evil to me, but God meant it for good to keep people alive. He said, God had his hand in all of it. When I was rejected, and when you were so harsh to me, mean, and then he said, when I was falsely accused after being tempted and doing what was right and put in prison, 
And after being forgotten for those two years, none of it seemed to cause him to be bitter. Oh, some of us, if we're just gouged just right, bitterness will come out of us. Oh, may God save us from that. He wants to help us pass these tests so we can progress in his purposes. Ye meant it for evil, he said. Chapter 50 and verse 20. When they were so afraid for their lives, he said, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. I believe God will have you and me to put back corn in the difficult, in the good times. So in the difficult times we'll have something to give to hungry hearts. It's the test of the soul. Whether or not we'll glorify God in it all or not. Several years ago, my wife and I were doing our taxes. <laughs> and we had all these guides, you know, we were reading this, what we could do, what we couldn't do. We had the last year's forms, and we were trying to go, we were doing all of this. And I got tickled. I got to laughing. My wife said, what? What is so funny? She said, here I am frustrated. Why are you laughing? I said, honey, now I see it. I see it. This is why Miss Silvers wanted me to learn math. So I could fill out my taxes. What I'm saying is, the tests are not given without purpose. And God allows tests to come. But it's so we can later fill out our taxes. We can pass tests on another level and give God all the glory through it all. You know, there's nobody in the Bible who is a who is like Christ or a type of Christ more than Joseph. In over 100 particulars, Joseph resembles Jesus. Oh, I'd like to resemble him more, wouldn't you? May God help us to pass the spirit test. And when we're rejected, may we give evidence that we're committed to God. May the Lord help us to pass the body test. And when we're tempted, may it be clear that we're controlled by God. May we pass... The soul test. And when we are deserted, when we have opportunities, may God be the center of our focus. May we pass the test that we might make progress with God. Are you interested in that? Oh, I'd like to be more like Jesus. May God help us. In these areas of life. You've been so kind. Would you stand with me please?